Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show. Join in on a great conversation today with some of the world's great influencers as they showcase great advice and techniques that made them the game changers they are today. Now, here's Tony D'Urso. chat with several gentlemen at the top of their category, elite entrepreneurs. We're going to discuss Lead with a Story with Paul Smith and Kenny Tedford. Now, learning lessons can go over our heads sometimes. There's a lot to learn, isn't there? And you know, we simply cannot remember all the rules we've learned in our educational years or even after. Can you remember all the rules you've read in all the books over the years? There's a lot to it. Now, a great way and perhaps the best way to learn and to have it stick is when there is a story attached to it. Today's interview is very unique as Paul is a storyteller. And after meeting Kenny, he wrote a book about him. And Kenny is amazing at telling stories as you're gonna hear in just a few moments. Now, if you're a leader or a salesman or a manager or a marketer, that means everybody, this is gonna help you get your point across and remember. And by the way, while we're at it, this is all about helping you and your friends turn your vision into reality. Meet Paul Smith and Kenny Tedford. Paul has written a number of books on storytelling to help managers, leaders, and salespeople. And Kenny is an amazing storyteller and has some great life lessons worth repeating. And for those listening on audio, the subtitle on one of the books about Kenny describes him in this way. It says, Life Through the Eyes of a Child, Trapped in a Partially Blind and Deaf Man's Body. I'm going to let them tell you more about it. Let's bring them on. Hi, Paul and Kenny. Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show. Hello. How are you doing? Hey, Tony. Thanks for having us on. It's such a pleasure to have you. I'm really looking forward to discussing Lead with the Story and all the nuances that go with it. There's a lot to learn here, as I've just said in the little intro. So first, let's introduce our audience just a little bit more. Perhaps, Paul, tell us just a little bit about your, well, I've talked a little bit about your backstory, that you're a storyteller, maybe a little bit about that and how perhaps you've run into and met with Kenny. Yeah, thanks. So I, I spent most of my career in, in pretty typical corporate career type jobs, uh, a couple of years at Accenture and 20 years at the Procter & Gamble company in various levels of, of management. But along that way, I just got fascinated with this concept of storytelling and, and wanted to know more about it and use it to, to be a better leader myself. And I, I read all the books I could find on the topic and still didn't know how to do it very well. And so I started interviewing leaders that I, that I admired the most, who I thought were particularly good at it, uh, first inside the company, but then outside the company. And at this point, I think I've probably interviewed uh, 300 or so CEOs, executives, leaders, salespeople, et cetera. Um, and, uh, and, and that's, that research is what, uh, became the content of the books that I wrote on the topic. The, the first one being lead with a story that you mentioned. Um, but as I was, uh, out kind of evangelizing the, this concept of storytelling, I was speaking at a, a national storytelling convention at one point, um, about that topic, about that book that had just come out. And I met, uh, Kenny Tedford. Uh, he was also speaking at the same event on a different stage at the same time that I was. So um, we didn't know each other, hadn't met, but we ended up sitting next to each other uh, a few hours later at somebody else's performance. 
and not knowing that we were, you know, performers on, on a stage ourselves just a few moments earlier. Um, and uh, just uh, struck up a great friendship. And that led to uh, me writing, uh, us writing together, the book Four Days with Kenny Tedford, uh, which is not only uh, the, the kind of a chronicle of his life and, and his life lessons, uh, but uh, me and my family's reaction to hearing his life story in those four days at my house. So that's what brought us together and, and, and started off this uh, project called Four Days with Kenny Tedford. Now, we're going to bring Kenny on in just a moment, but I'm very intrigued. What was it when you sat there and you just met him at the, at the speeches you were doing? What was it about Kenny that made you decide to write a book about him? Well, you know, after we met, well, first of all, I thought it was just pretty bold for a, here's a, a deaf guy at a three-day storytelling festival. I, I thought, you know, it's pretty courageous. I, I want to meet this guy. And so we ended up having lunch together that day. And over lunch, he just started telling me his life story, which was just fascinating. And um, I, I had just signed a contract to write my second book at the time, which is called uh, Parenting with a Story. And when, when I decided, you know, it's time to start researching that book, Kenny's the first person I thought of. Yeah, th this guy's got to have some great life lessons. Let me call him the guy I met at that storytelling festival. Uh, and as I was interviewing him uh, over an hour and I recorded the, the conversation, at about minute 36, um, I asked him this question. I, I was like, Kenny, th these are all like fascinating stories. I just need one of them for my, my book. But like you could fill up a whole book with all these stories. Have you ever thought about writing a book? And he said, well, yeah, I'd love to. And my audience members always ask me for it. But I just writing is just one of the challenges that I have. I just I just can't do it very well. And that's when I said the thing that probably surprised me as much as it did him. I said, well, you know what, Kenny, I'll do it. I'll, I'll write your book. And, and that was the thing, you know, now I've committed to it, you know, uh, and it took a, a number of years, but we eventually, uh, we eventually got through it. Kenny, what did you think when Paul was telling you about what he does, that he writes books, and then all of a sudden he drops it on you? He wants to write a book about you. Well, to be honest with you, when I first met Paul and uh, he said he would like to write a book about my life, I've been told that by people before. And he just never, you know, succeeded. And so he told me, and I just thought, hey, great, you know, it'd be great if we can do it. But in my mind, you know, I thought, well, here's another person uh, making promises, you know. And I, and I know he lives in Ohio, I'm in Tennessee, and, you know, I don't see how this is going to work. And, you know, but I was honored that he was willing to do it. And then, of course, I found out when I came home, I, he gave, um, I Googled him, or, what do y'all call it? Check on his background and you know his book, and I thought, why is he? And I did the same. Why is he writing about me? All his book is on business. Then it hit me about what I do when I go speaking in the past before I ever met Paul. I do a lot of convention, you know, doctors and nurses and businesses. I talk about the population out there that are disability, like what I call my group of people. Um, and I was a job coach for 20 some years for people with disability and helped a lot of business to look in that area uh, of a population that nobody seems to market. And so um, Paul and I kept talking back and forth FaceTime because at that time I never heard of Zoom. And um, before you knew it, I was in his house and he spent four days with his family. So it was, it was a dream come true. 
I can imagine the excitement. And while the book was happening, while it was being written, did you have any aspirations of what you felt that people would get out of the book and how it would help them? You're asking me? Yes, uh, yes, oh, Kenny, yes. Oh, okay. I thought you went to Paul. Um, yeah, that, all my life, I, even my parents, before they passed away, um, I've been told by teachers and even strangers at Walmart, you know, restaurant manager, uh, waitress, um, I got a big voice because I'm deaf and I talk loud, but it's when I get excited. Um, so there would be people sitting behind me at the restaurant, come around and just say, like, can I have a look at that story about you? Oh, my God. And I'm like, and then she'll leave. And I, get a hug, I gave her a hug, and I looked at my friends at the table, and I said, why do people keep doing that to me? It's embarrassing. He goes, because you're hilarious. That story you told, she needed to hear that. So I, I realized um, growing up, I've been wanting to do a book for 35 years. I mean, I was already doing performance at conventions, big conventions, you know, as a performer, uh, motivational speaker. And, um, but nothing, you know, a book never came out of it. It was just me doing it, did my thing, and had a war. I mean, I loved it. I loved traveling. So I'll come home and, you know, go back to my regular eight to five job as a job coach and, and work with people. And I became a director for six years with a governor. And so that was a beautiful job and never dreamed that would ever happen. And then because of that, then I got a master in storytelling in Johnson City. And so because of the master program, I went to the conference uh, to be a keynote speaker telling my cancer story. And then just, I just, as a faithful man, God brought it to, to happen. And I met Paul, he sat next to me and we got to know each other. That's amazing, Kenny. And for our audience, we're going to get into some of Kenny's stories in just a moment. Just a few more questions to kind of set the stage. And then we're going to go into a little bit of storytelling so that you can see a little bit more of what we're talking about. One of the things I'd like to know, Paul, is how long did it take to write this story? And there has to be some challenges. I mean, first of all, you both live quite a distance away from each other. And, it's, and to me, I think it's a very unique, different book. Maybe there's a few questions there. Can you kind of take it from there and tell us about it? Yeah, well, it was, unfortunately, it was several years in the making because, yeah, there were more difficulties than you would have, you know, normally. No, normally, when I interview people, I just, you know, I just call them on the phone and uh, have a conversation. Well, you, you can't do that when you're interviewing a deaf person. Um, and back then, the technology, you know, wasn't as quite as good as, you know, we're using right now. And so um, we, we tried as best we could to have uh, in-person interviews so that those first four days he spent at my house was certainly the, the uh, a large part of the interviews, but that wasn't enough. Um, we had uh, you know, maybe uh, a half a dozen or more, uh, probably more different uh, times where we would, where I would interview him. And so sometimes I would drive to Tennessee and sometimes he would come here and sometimes we'd meet in the middle. And there were times there where he was visiting a friend of his in, uh, in Baltimore and I would fly and meet them there. And, you know, we stayed at, uh, at his house for a couple of days so th there were multiple times where I interviewed him over the course of several years. Um, but then th there was all the typical challenges of, you know, finding a publisher. I mean, this, you know, this wasn't a typical book and certainly wasn't the kind of book that I typically write. So, you know, my, my publisher at the time was the American Management Association, which now, which now is part of HarperCollins. 
you know, th this is just not the kind of book that's in their wheelhouse. So they had no interest in it. And so it took me a, you know, a lot longer than usual to find an agent and find a publisher. And so uh, it, it definitely took longer than I thought. Plus I had other commitments, you know, with other books I, I was writing, uh, but it eventually all, all came together. Um, and I appreciate Kenny's uh, patience and all that. We finally, finally got it across the finish line. Unfortunately, literally right as the COVID pandemic hit, we, we literally, the book launched um, and then we went out on book tour in March of 2020. So if you remember, that literally was right before everything stopped. And I think we had a five or six state, um, set, nine or 10 city uh, book tour through the South and uh, just finished in Dallas, Texas, I think, or uh, Little Rock, and then uh, back to Cincinnati. And um, a week later, everything got shut down. So we just got the book tour done. And then unfortunately, kind of everything came to a, came to a halt. That is quite an amazing story, just in time. And as I understand it, Paul, the, the book is, it, it does have, or perhaps grammatically it includes, or it's part of, part of it is about Kenny's life, but there's a lot more to it. And, and I think there were lessons that you got as well as your family in writing the book. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so, you know, I, I, I started this as just an idea to write a third, you know, a biography of Kenny Tedford you know, this amazing man. Um, and then it was, well, let me write it in first person. You know, I'll just help Kenny, you know, through his own voice, I'll interview him and I'll, I'll write his story, you know, in first person so that it's really Kenny's book. And then in talking with our publisher, uh, we decided to kind of do a little bit of both. And it ended up being a project that's kind of like that book, uh, Tuesdays with Maury, if you'll remember that. I think they made that into a movie, but it basically it was, it became a memoir of the time that Kenny and I spent together interviewing him. So it was, it's written in my voice and his voice. It's me asking questions like you're asking us questions now. And then me writing the answers that he's giving me, telling me the stories of his life. But imagine that my wife and kids are like over my shoulder, like, you know, these little puppy dogs, just, you know, listening to these stories, just mesmerized, you know, while I'm like madly typing away and trying to record everything, you know, my wife and kids are listening to these stories. And so the, the book became, um, you know, not just Kenny's stories, but our, me and my wife and kids reflecting on what he's telling us and the impact that it's having on us, you know, me as a husband, as a father, you know, my wife as a, you know, a, as a wife and a mother and, you know, how it's impacting our kids. And so it kind of goes back and forth between me asking a question and Kenny telling one of his life stories and then the rest of us trying to figure out the life lessons that we can draw from that. So we try to summarize, you know, some of those lessons at the end, but but mostly you just go through Kenny's life and just and just learn from the wisdom of it all. We're talking about Lead with a Story with Paul Smith and Kenny Tedford, and you can find more of the books. You can find out the books that we're talking about. You can find out more about Paul and Kenny at leadwithastory.com. That's L-E-A-D-W-I-T-H, the letter A, S-T-O-R-Y, leadwithastory.com. Kenny, I want to get into some storytelling here. Can you tell us about the day you were born? Well, that was interesting. Um, that's how the life began. I was, my parents were visiting my father's sister, which is my aunt. Um, I was raised in Dallas, but at this time, uh, they were on vacation visiting his sister and Jesse and Memphis. And somehow my mother was already um, seven months pregnant, and that was with me. 
And for some reason, she found out a flight of steps on the front porch, I believe. And the, I can't say it right, but the biblical court, whatever you call it, went around my neck and strangled me. And I had lots of oxygen. She went into a lot of pain and they rushed her to the hospital. And they had to do that, you know, cut her belly open, whatever that is, and, you know, and pull me out. Uh, then incubator. I was born two months early, but I was born with lack of oxygen, so I had brain damage. Uh, legally blind in my left eye, paralysis on my whole left side of my body. I can feel, but not very much. Sometimes I see it that a blessing when my girlfriend gets mad at my church, she slapped me on the right side, not the left side. I mean, slapped me on the left side, not on the right side. And then my papa uh, gave me a whipping, you know, pop on the butt. I turned my butt around to the left side. And daddy goes, no, 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 no. I know we, are, we don't have feelings. So he'll give me, and I get the whipping. And um, so uh, again, I grew up with, uh, I'm legally deaf when I was born. I was totally deaf, my left ear. Hardly hearing in my right ear. And then my mother, like I said, I was a seventh child. She had nine children. And um, I was the only one born with a disability. And so after a few months later, we went, you know, went back home. My father worked for the railroad. We took the train. Back in those days, it was so much fun riding the train. We rode the train from Memphis back to Dallas. And Dallas was a very famous hub at the time for the railroad. And uh, so that's where I was raised and, um, at that time. And then when I was eight, uh, around Christmas, my father died. I had a massive heart attack a week before Christmas. And then five months later, my mother died. Um, and then we went to live with my aunt that I mentioned earlier, my father's sister. So we left Dallas and went to live with them. And so it was a it was an amazing journey. Um, it, it was too much. A lot of it still was innocent because I didn't understand the language of being deaf, the family didn't really speak to me much. And I did not know how to relive at that time. And nobody really looked at me, you know, and um, directly, you know. And so that, that was basically what my life was like. It was just alone, but I wasn't lonely. I was blessed with love. My, my father, I mean, if, if you buy the book, there's so many stories in there about my father and then some story about my mom. But I give credit a great deal to my father for toughing me up. And, and he even told me when I was little, before he died, that I would be bullied and made fun of. Because at that time, I was labor retarded. And that's just, I was born in the very early 50s. And that's just the way it is. We're deaf, for hard hand. You speak funny. Uh, you know, you're labor. You're labor retarded. Uh, mentally challenged class, but back then it was called retarded. So my first two years in school, in public school with other kids, I was labor retarded. But there's some really amazing stories, humor, uh, how all that came about. But I don't think that really affected me for many years. Kenny, I've interviewed a lot of people. I've, I've run into a lot of stories about adversity, being bankrupt, living on the streets, coming back. Your story is amazing with what you've had to deal with. And for my audience, I'd like them to, I'd like you to pay particular attention to this question. As I understand it, Kenny was told he would never finish the third grade. You've just heard some of the adversities that he had to deal with in, in growing up and living with, with this, I guess we call it a disability, if that's the protocol and okay to say that there are these disabilities. And yet 
you ended up with a master's degree? Yes, yes. I never, that was never part of my plan. Uh, I, I never thought I ever, again, I didn't think I was going to pass the third grade because I was told directly by the teachers and the principals um, that I would never pass the third grade. I would like to share one thing that stayed with me to this day and we're all to the end of my time. I, my grandmother told me years later, I started becoming a teenager. I was kind of thought, a lot of the stuff being probably taught in me and different and labor, it did affect me. I mean, it gave me low self-esteem. Um, and, and I was slow because, you know, that I had the mental capacity of, I, I don't read well, uh, understand things. But um, uh, my grandmother told me the story when you asked me about when I was born. I love the story myself, but I, back then the men, family were not allowed to go into the, to the mother when she's having the baby. Nobody's really allowed in there at that time. And my father would be in the waiting room, and everybody would be passing out cigars. And, and I never understood that as a kid. Because what if you don't smoke a cigar? What do they give you? A cigarette or what? A pipe? What? And so my grandmother, that's her son, my father's mother. And she had shared with me because I thought, I told her one time I felt a chain because they had me, you know, a, a disabled son. And my grandmother, you know, because you talk like that, you know, let me tell you what your father did. And so the doctor, you know, a doctor will come in and say, I'm proud to tell you, you have a five-pound baby boy, baby girl. And everybody, oh, and all the men start hugging each other, you know, passing out to guys. But the doctor came in, and my parent, my father was in the waiting room, and he came up to my father was really sad. That's where it all began. The words we say are very powerful. It's like a blade, you, you know, you can enjoy a person's life with a word. But the doctor came in really sad, and he looked at my father and said, I'm sorry to tell you, but you have a retarded baby boy. Uh, he's going to have a lot of mental, he's born with brain damage, and he has other health issues. And my father just looked directly at him, and he got a little closer to the doctor. <laughs> and he goes, say that again? He goes, you have a beautiful baby boy. Uh, you know, he's going to be fine. We're, we're going to deal with the problems later. It's nice to meet you, Mr. Tedford. And then he just left. Then my father passed out to God. So that's how my dad was. He never looked down on me ever once. I don't, you know, of my time while he was on earth. I love it. Editor, please, uh, please pause this. Kenny, what I'm going to do is I'm going to mute you. And then I'm going to ask you if you would stand up and close the blinds because the sun's coming higher and it's washing out your video a little bit. And meanwhile, okay. I'll ask Paul a question, but I'm going to mute you. When I come back to ask you a question, I will uh, I will unmute you. That way, uh, the sounds you make, you understand? No problem. Okay, great. So I'm going to mute you and then I'm going to talk to Paul. Great. Very fascinating, uh, Kenny story, and I can't wait to get back to some more of those. Those are quite something, full of adversity and just making things happen. And Paul, what I'd like to ask you about is, in the book, the last chapter, as I understand it, it has some lessons that have been learned. We've talked a little bit about this, and I'd like to ask if you can share some of those lessons with us. Yeah, so, I mean, for example, um, we, we have a, a set of life lessons for, for everybody, uh, but there are also some lessons there for people in the business world. 
Uh, and since it sounds like that's who your audience is, maybe I would I would focus on that a little bit. Um, but that probably these could be used for for anybody. Uh, for example, one of the things that we learned, my wife and I learned when Kenny was uh, was visiting us, is that we all have disabilities of some kind, uh, all of us. Uh, and and Kenny's visit really made that obvious to us, and so it, it made other people's disabilities. Um, less disabling, I guess I would say. I mean, in fact, so when Kenny was planning, when we were planning the trip, I know that my, my wife was a little concerned about him coming to our house and spending four days because she was worried that she wouldn't be able to make him comfortable in our home because she wasn't familiar with all of his challenges. And, um, you know, well, you know, he can't hear very well and he can't maybe speak very well and he has trouble moving around and will he be able to get up and down the stairs? And she was just very worried that she wouldn't be able to make him comfortable in our home. And then after four days, she, she said to me, you know, I was all worried about, I was worried about Kenny's disabilities, but it turns out Kenny wasn't worried about Kenny's disabilities. He lives with them every day and gets along just fine. So then she said, so now I've stopped worrying about them. And so, you know, every, everything is fine. And as we talked about that, we realized, yeah, we, we all have some disabilities that we learn to live with. For example, I am terrible at directions. Like, I mean, I literally, Tony, I've gotten lost in my own neighborhood, my own neighborhood, more than once, okay? Um, so our kids have learned, if you want to get directions on where to go something, do not ask dad, right? Go ask mom. And, you know, my wife, bless her heart, you know, math is just not her strong suit. And so our kids have learned, if they have a math problem, go ask dad, you know? But yet, you know, so those are our disabilities. So we all have our own disabilities and our own superpowers. And um, it's, it's not just that, oh, well, Kenny has disabilities and we don't. No, that's not true. We've all got things that we're good at and things that we're lousy at. And once you recognize that, uh, Kenny's not that different than we are. Paul, that's really interesting. I just have to comment that my wife is like that with directions. She just has to go to one place, one time, and it doesn't matter where in the world it, it is. She can find her way to that place again. And, we've, and she's done it at, at, in our world travels over and over again. As she says all the time, she has a compass in her head. <laughs> so so it, it is true that some of us are good at some things and uh, totally get it, totally get it. Me, I can guess a number immediately and always be very accurate no matter what, what the equation is. It's just absolutely amazing I can do that. There's three of us here today. I'm just teasing. <laughs> Another thing I wanted to ask Paul is... Um, Leadership. There's leadership lessons learned from this. I think you've even written a book on leadership, but you've learned some amazing leadership points in your dealings with Kenny. And I'd love for you to share some of those with us, Paul. Yeah, so one of them is just a, a heightened sense of um, of people who have different challenges um, and, and how they, you can help them be successful in the workplace. And uh, one of the things that made me realize is in my time with uh, P&G, I, I recognized I worked on our, our uh, diaper business for a while, Pampers and Loves Diapers. And um, we got a, a new president of that business unit at one point. Um, and uh, she had been challenging our packaging and why our packaging uh, looked the same. And, and she, specifically, she was complaining about the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, thumb-sucking baby boy that was on the cover of the package. And she said like, why do all the babies on our package have to look the same? You know, aren't there any girl babies that we, you know, aren't there any uh, Hispanic babies? Aren't there any African-American babies that use our product? Why do they all have to look the same? 
And, uh, you know, several of the, the men on the team, you know, complained, look, we've changed our packaging so many times. It's always a hassle. You know, it's just fine. And she finally just yelled at them. <laughs> it's like, you know, why do all these babies have to look like you, Bob? You know, and, and it, it finally got through to everybody that, uh, yeah, we, we need to be more reflective of all of our consumers. And it took somebody to kind of shake us a little bit. And it didn't hurt that it was the boss, you know, but um, it, it, uh, it kind of shook us out of that. And just spending time with Kenny shakes me out of a lot of those things that are on autopilot that I hadn't thought of before. Um, and, uh, and I, I think some of those kind of ideas will come to you as you go through the book, you'll, you'll, you'll be shaken out of your autopilot. I like that a lot. And I encourage everyone to check out the book. There's, there are gems in these books and that will help you in your business. They'll help you in your, your enterprise that you're building and everything. Kenny, I want to ask you a question along the same lines of leadership. I want to ask you for some, for some stories, but I'd love to know, have you learned, or maybe that's not the right way to say it. What have you learned in the way of leadership from your association with Paul and writing and writing the book? To keep looking straight ahead. I mean, plan ahead, but at the same time, don't let other little things go you into another direction. Because you keep going in different directions, you know, you're going to get dizzy. Um, so I've learned that a lot from Paul, uh, being, you know, really direct. And being me, um, as a leader, uh, in the, you know, I always try to set an example. I don't care if a, if a person five years old, uh, if somebody 12 years old, 18, 25, 30, all the way up to 80, 90. Um, I always be me. I'm not just going to be Kenny. And um, I don't know who else to be. Um, so in leadership, if you have faith in other people, and you believe in yourself, and then they have ideas, you listen, as people have done with me. And so I try to inspire other people because I have been put down more than I want to imagine. Um, so all the time I've been called names, you know, worthless and never going to make past the third grade. I still believe in me, though. Um, I I had to learn the difference in meaning of what people were talking to me. But most all my life that I can even remember when I was six or seven, when I talk or tell a story of something, even talk about my mama making breakfast, Everybody around me, strangers in my own family, even classmates, would just laugh. They'd just be laughing. Oh, my God, that's so funny, Kenny. You need to be a comedian. And I'm like, you know, I never understood it because I got two worlds in my front of me. One is I'm retarded, no good, worthless. You're never going to pass it. They're great. You talk funny. Um, uh, you talk too loud or your speech is horrible. Um and then they turn around and say, you need to be a comedian. You need to tell stories. <laughs> and I really thought most of, my, most of my life, I thought, there's no way. I mean, how can a guy like me, you know, that's not very smart and uh, has a speech problem and uh, came here, um, I'm slow at learning words. But, you know, even I fooled myself and found out every time I look in the mirror, 
on me. And I have been taught by different groups, teachers, counselors, even psychiatrists. I've dealt with depression, low self-esteem, and I've taught counselors, psychiatrists, I'm not ashamed of it. Um, mental health is a very personal thing with everybody. You know, I think you may know more about my mental illness because that's my, my icon is it per se. I don't know what y'all say, personality, whatever. Like Paul was with me, you know, God be with Paul. He spent 10 days in the car. I spent days with him in an electric car. And so I mean, I was learning that we were no different. When I first met Paul, he wanted to do the book. I thought, this guy is a big shot. I mean, he got four books out there. He worked at Potter and Gamble, vice president. I don't know what I think they were just tied I don't know, but he was a big dog, you know, and he's going to go write a book about this little guy. So uh, it, it was beautiful. I mean, great, friend, uh, great friendship came out of this. And uh, so I've been blessed. And, and so um, I hope I answered your question, um, but that's what I see as leadership is to be open-minded because people meet other people. I was, I went to Gallaudet University to learn sign language. I love signing. I, I'll be honest, I, be, I like signing. Um, so like what we're doing now, I have a headphones on and I'm doing my best to read your lip. Uh, I hear you talking, but if I take off my headphones and you talk, you know, I, I got to do better. I got to get really close to the screen. And so um, every deaf person or is an individual. Every disability person is an individual. We're not all the same. You know, somebody here, the kid, he's deaf. He's born with brain damage. He's legally blind. He's left eye. He's got paralysis over here. I mean, if you read the book, there's a lot of other issues I've gone through, you know, and before you meet me, you already make a decision. Oh my God, like Paul, I mean, no offense, but Paul, his family, his wife, he's not the only one. Even today, I'm almost 70 years old in a year. And I still, people will be like, oh my God, can you come over for dinner? How do we communicate? You know, I don't know how to sign, you know, do, you, make sure we have enough pad and pencils at the table. And I'm like, <laughs> get to know Kenny, come on, get to know me first. But, the fear that everybody's learning from the world. And that's what Paul, I'm sure a lot of people have that growing up, you know, oh my God, don't stare at that handicap. Oh, don't stare at that person that's blind. Oh my God, why are you touching that wheelchair? You know, and so um, we are the best educator in the world, people with disability. And we're all individual and be treated like an individual. So leadership is taking yourself and just be you, just be you but still learn. Like now I'm learning how to be a senior citizen. I'm loving it. I mean, I'm, I get to add that to my drawer, whatever y'all call it. You know, now I'm a senior citizen, you know? And so I'm loving it because now people are treating me like an old man. And then when I tell somebody two weeks ago, I went to Walmart and the woman wasn't looking at me directly, but you're that same thing to me. Nice, I'm sure. Like, how are you? Beautiful day. I said, I'm sorry, excuse me, but I have to relive, you know, I'm deaf. And she just went, oh, oh my God, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh. And then she came around the counter and said, can I have a hug? Because I'm down. She goes, I insulted you. How? <laughs> and I, I, I can't grab her. So I went and gave her a hug. And so my point I'm trying to say is, 
if what we hear from everybody else, and I tell people, get to meet the person first. Don't judge them. I mean, we're judging other people if we get to meet them. And like Paul was freaking out, I don't know, gets his wife too, I know, going down the step. Because I love telling the story. And people, uh, first time I saw Paul, people say, hey, how was your visit with Paul? Do y'all do good or right on the book? I said, you know what? And I, as a comedian humor, I said, you know where Paul and his wife put me in the house? No, in the basement. That's where they kept the dog. You know, and so my friends go, he did. And they see automatically, I got him thinking negative of Paul. But even though I was just playing, and I got to get a life. I said, I chose the basement because you had the recliner down there. I don't like sleeping in bed. And so it was beautiful. So I'm so grateful that Paul, his family, especially his boys, uh, his youngest boy would, you know, both of them would really learn a lot of things. Uh, so that's what I love doing with my book is that get to know me, get to know you, get to know Paul. And so each one of us has our own gift to give to others. And we all have stories to tell. I absolutely love that. We have a few minutes here. Can I get one story, Kenny, on one of your favorite stories from the book? You've told a couple stories can I get one more? And then we'll ask Paul for his favorite story. Um, well, um, <laughs> I, I, tell me, okay. I think one of the very popular, I, I, can I, go, I was going to say, I can go through your book and ask you something from it, but well, I, I have... got it. I got it. So I can tell you, since you're talking about leadership, I'm going to share something with you. When we look, when we think of other people being different, this is very powerful for me. Um, I worked for Dolly Parton. I worked for Dollywood as a street character for two years. And it was a part-time job. And the other part-time job, I worked at McDonald's uh, in Pigeon Ford, Tennessee. And I worked at McDonald's in the morning when it opened at 6 a.m. Um, or 5 a.m. We had to get, get in early and clean up and get ready, pick, clean up the parking lot. And that was my job. And I was kind of a... In those days, if you tell people, I don't, I still to this day don't understand it, but in the, it, way many years ago, I was a, I don't know, middle age maybe. Um, I love working with Dolly. Oh, Dolly, she's a doll. I mean, sorry, she's a wonderful woman <laughs> and a wonderful lady. And um, so I work in the morning from six till uh, noon, had my lunch because it was free, McDonald's, and then I went to work for Dollywood and became a trick character. I was a different character every season. And, and welcome mostly people with disabilities. That's what was my job, to make people in wheelchairs, those that are blind, go talk to them when they come in. Ignore the hearing people and the normal people. We're normal, we're the best people to have, okay? So I, people around me, I go to party, I was in high school. I do remember I was in high school. I, no, I was, uh, I can't, I think I was in high school. I, church, I take that back, in Bible church. And when we all get together and go to Berlin, we go to party, Christmas party, people say, hey, Kenny, where do you work? And I said, well, I work, before I could even say Dollywood, I said, I work at McDonald's. And they're going, oh, oh, oh look, Janet wants to talk to me, not talking to you. And they go to another little crowd. And I'm going, what is, is something wrong with McDonald's? And then I hear somebody in the crowd uh, say, to, to ask Jim, hey, Jim, where do you work? 
I went for Wendy and she go, oh, I love the little square hamper. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And they're chili and I'm going, what in the world is wrong with McDonald's? They're the most <laughs> largest in the world and they get more money to disability. I mean, kids with disability, they have these houses they provide for family for kids with cancer. And it's like you're supposed to be ashamed to be working at McDonald's. And so I that started sipping in like, like a disease, you know, it goes in my pores. And and so I I kept hearing that for several months. And I thought, oh, I can't do this anymore. So I went and asked my bar for a bigger hat, like a baseball cap. And he goes, Why? I, my head bloated. I it's gotten fat, so I need a big hat. He goes, Okay. <laughs> So the real reason I want it because I can pull it down and have it throw down into my eyes. Because friends were still coming to that McDonald's to get hamburgers and stuff before they go to Dollywood. And I didn't want them to know I was working there. Oh. <laughs> so one day I was cleaning the table, and this black man, African American, was sitting there, an older man, and it was like in his 70s or 80s. And I, I had my head down. I was doing the thing. And then he looked at me. He said, can, can I see your eyes? And I went, excuse me? Can you raise your head and pull the cap up? Uh, yeah. He goes, you mind sitting down? I'd like to have a talk with you. And he, he, just, he knew it. He just said, are you ashamed to work with my time? Ah. He goes, you can be open with me. I said, well, yeah. I got friends who are coming through the drive-through. They might know me. So, you're working. You got a great job. He goes, I tell you what, you have a dollar bill on you? Yeah? Well, I got one too. Let, let the chain dollar bill. Okay. So he gave me a dollar bill. But I gave him one, and he'll look at it and go, this is kind of old and dirty, but it's okay. And I'm thinking, well, how, you know, love you too. And I know this. He goes, my name is John. I said, well, I'm Kenny. He goes, uh, we mind going up there and get two cups of coffee, but you use your dollar for your coffee and you use my dollar, you know, take both dollars and buy two cups of coffee. I thought this man was weird. He said, you come back and I want you to take off the cap. Okay. He said, I have a story to tell. I came back, gave him the coffee. I had my coffee. And he goes, let me share something with you. Did you get the two coffee and nobody said anything? Uh-huh. But you had a dirty dollar bill and a beautiful dollar bill, a clean one. That was mine. Okay? So you see, I'm black. You're white. And there's nothing to be ashamed because I am actually the head director of five McDonald's as a janitor, and I'm checking on all the people who work here at Custodian. I'm your boss. <gasps> I go, I, I said, I go get that little cap. I get the little one, you know, really small. <laughs> he goes, you should never be ashamed where you work and who you are. He said, you're a pretty funny guy. I heard about you. Now I hear you work for Dollywood. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm a tricker. And he, we just got to talking. And then, but the ball came out. And he saw the back of the guy that was, you know, that was African-American. And he came over to me and said, can you be in for 30 minutes? Uh, I pointed to the black, the African-American guy. He goes, oh, my God. Oh, I didn't know that was you, John. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he walked away. 
He goes, and then he's about to pile out. I have a white people. I go, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so it became really a, a, I loved it. So I got up, he got up and gave me the leave. And he said, give me a hug. And I go, great. So I gave him a hug. And, and so I went in that to my bar and said, give me back my freaking hat. And I made it smaller in the back. You can move it, you know. So I made it really small. And I talked to some friends later that afternoon coming in. Go, hey, y'all, how you doing? I hope to see you at church. And they're all going, you work here? Yes, I love it. You know what I see? The sunrise every morning that God gave us, the blessing of the sunrise coming over the mountain, Tennessee. So you see, I had a blessed job. And then I go straight to Dollywood, got to meet Dolly Parton. <laughs> so I learned to appreciate, no matter where you were, appreciate it. Absolutely love that story. And there's so much I could comment on that. We've got just a few minutes. I wish I could just talk more about it. Absolutely great. Thank you so much, Kenny. Paul, I wanted to ask you for your favorite story in the book. We have just a few more moments. Uh, can you tell us what, what really struck you the most? Yeah, I won't do I won't do it as well as Kenny, but I will tell you briefly, uh, my favorite stories about Kenny when he was in the third or fourth grade. Um, of course, he was kind of relegated to the back of the room because they didn't have a special class for kids with disabilities. So he was in the regular class with the regular kids, but they just made him sit in the back and the teacher gave him a handful of crayons and some paper to, to you know, to color with. Um, and uh, But they also had a, a psychiatrist that would come by once a month or so to evaluate the kids, especially the kids with special needs. And one of the th ways he would evaluate them is by looking at their drawings. And so he would look at Kenny's drawings and uh, would always give him like low scores because his drawings weren't very colorful or weren't very interesting. And so he thought that that correlated with his mental capability. Um, but uh, it was really just because, you know, the teacher had only given him three or four crayons. He had like a, a black, a white and a red or something. That was it, you know. Uh, and eventually, uh, you know, he, Kenny was sad about that. And one, one other teacher noticed him being sad and pulled him aside and asked him why. And he explained this. And she gave him one of those big, you know, 64 packs of crayons like all the other kids have, you know, and sent him off to, to, to draw something properly. And he did that. And the next time, of course, the psychiatrist came around, Kenny had this wonderful picture of a butterfly with all these colors and, you know, gave him an A plus. And it's just the, the, the lesson there is, you know, don't look at people who have these different abilities as, uh, as having less capability. You know, give them the same tools that you give anybody else and you'll be amazed at what they'll accomplish. And again, that was a lesson, I think, you know, for me personally, but also a lesson that I, I took into the office with me as well is, you know, give everybody the same tools and then they can probably accomplish some of the same things. Paul, Kenny, we spoke about quite a few things on leadership, on stories, on adversity, on differences. And sometimes it's just in our head that we think we have an adversity when we don't because we're better at something. Really good stories here. I know that this is very helpful to the entrepreneur world. You have to think about it because we all have what we have. We're all, as you mentioned, we have our superpower or our ability that makes us special. And if we use that and push that and work that, we can be successful. And, and and be grateful for what God has given us because here we are, we're living, we're breathing, we're listening to this show and we're learning. So that's all good. Gentlemen, I just want to say thank you so much. We discussed Lead With the Story with Paul Smith and Kenny Tedford. And you can find uh, about the books and about both of these gentlemen at 
leadwithastory.com. Gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for sharing with us today. I really, truly appreciated it. Thank you. Thank you for having Thanks for having us on, Tony. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me while I featured several elite entrepreneurs who took their vision to reality. We talked about Lead With The Story with Paul Smith and Kenny Tedford. And just for clarification, the book that Paul wrote for Kenny and with Kenny is called Four Days With Kenny Tedford. And I chose this, the title here, Lead With The Story, because while it's one of Paul's books and while it's the website, uh, com, it really hits and impacts all of us as entrepreneurs and gets us to better understand why a story is so important. As I mentioned at the very beginning of introduction of this interview, why is a story so important? And what I've learned myself is how we all have our adversity, or you could also put it in a positive note. We all have our abilities, what we're good at, what we're really good at, and what we excel at, and how we can use that ability to, to move forward, as well as bring on beings and people that have their abilities that help us with our company. And there's no such thing really as an adversity. Kenny Tedford, look at him. He's got a degree. This is amazing. He's made it. He's successful. He didn't sit back there on the couch and just say, oh, woe is me. He got up and he did something. He moved, he activated, he, he excelled, he pushed, he persevered. Absolutely amazing, the stories. I just absolutely love it. And I'm gonna give this back to you and say, what resonated the most with you? What stories did you learn from Paul and Kenny? I'd love to know, so please tell me. And I really look, look forward to your listening to my shows. I really appreciate that you've tuned in. Please tune in again next week. We have great guests all the time. And if you have any Apple device, please consider giving a kind review on Apple Podcasts. That really means a lot to help grow the show. And of course, most important, I say this all the time, but not enough. Share this with a few friends because it's all about friends helping friends. All right. Use this and let's help you move on your journey to success. Thanks. Remember, just take action. Success awaits those who persevere and remain steadfast despite the odds. Sow good seeds. Do good deeds. And join me on the next episode of The Tony D'Urso Show. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of the Tony D'Urso Show with his key influencers. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. 